I said to him, what is the character's name? And, uh, and he said, well, I don't want to tell you. And I said, why not? And he said, just read the script. It's pretty crazy, and you've got to stick with it. You've really got to so go with it. And if you don't go with it, it's not for you. And I was like, challenge laid, man. Because that sounds like something that might be fun. Um, and then I read the script, and I got through the first 10 pages, and I was like, what is this? And then the next 10 pages, it was a different, what is that? And then the next 10 pages was a completely different, oh, it's this? And then the next 10 pages confounded me again. And I think that's the joy of, of what Knight does so well, is that he keeps an audience on their toes, uh, trying to figure out what actually is the film going to be like. Not what it's about, because I always feel like you know what the films are about, but what kind of film are we watching? so far? Are we watching a thriller? Are we watching a chiller? Are we watching a supernatural? Are we watching a sci-fi? Are we watching a, a horror movie? Are we watching a psychological drama? Are we, what are we watching? And it's all of those things. And it's all of those things at different times, but it kind of really messes with the audience as much as it messes with the actors playing the parts, because it has been nuts making this film. Welcome to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast, a conversation about representation in comics and related media. I'm your host, Rain Coleman, and this issue covers Israel 177, Part 2, Split. Welcome back. Thank you all for tuning in for another installment of this Carefree Black Nerd Podcast. When you're listening to this episode, use the hashtag CBNPod. Tweet me, live tweet when you do it. Hit me up, Carefree Blurred. Let me know you're listening. Let me know your thoughts. Let's make this a conversation. Uh, so diving right into the episode here. Split is coming off of the Unbreakable Train. So this is the second installment in M. Night Shyamalan's series. Now, Split is a 2016 American psychological horror thriller film which is a mouthful, <laughs> but considering that Unbreakable is the first, well, it is a comic book movie uh, packaged as a horror, thriller, suspense, whatever. I like this idea or this uh, kind of story that M. Night is telling with this non-traditional comic book style. Um, as I said in the previous episode in the series is that you could do so much with actual comic books and graphic novels over the, what is it, 15, 18 years between the end of Unbreakable and when Split begins. And this is like the lore of this series could be explored ah, so well. Ah, man. Okay, so this film is a supervillain origin story. This is set in the Unbreakable universe, and this is the second installment of the trilogy, as I said before. Now, the film stars James McAvoy, Anaya Taylor-Joy, and Betty Buckley, and follows Kevin Wendell Crumb, a man with 23 different personalities who kidnaps and imprisons three teenage girls in an underground facility. Okay, so a little bit of the business out of the way. With this film, the principal photography began back in November, I believe the 11th of 2015. This was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which is another thing that I really like about M. Night. Um, He is in love with his city. And though Philadelphia is a pretty big city, it's a major metropolitan area, uh, much like New York and Atlanta and Houston, um, I like that he's from there. So for him, it's just his town. And so it only makes sense that you set things in this space where you grew up, where you lived, where you think he lives there now. Uh, and though it is Philadelphia and not, you know, little town in Iowa, I still like that he has this connection with the space because it's very easy to like shoot in Atlanta because I think it's cheaper for or something with the tax, something with filming and getting tax breaks and whatnot. And it's the same with Canada because a lot of shows are filmed there. But this being his hometown, like it's just something about that that 
feels good. It feels like it's almost a love letter to Philadelphia. Like, especially when you watch Unbreakable and then Split, and subsequently when you watch Glass, all set in this same area for someone like me, who has, I think I've been to Philadelphia maybe once or twice as a kid. Uh, I just, I'm seeing things that I probably don't even know what I'm looking at. <laughs> but someone who's from the area is like, oh, damn, that's such and such. You know, I used to ride past there when I was a kid. So all that being said, I just, I really enjoyed that he is um, in love with Philadelphia in the way that he is and that he's shooting his intellectual property there. You know, because it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just <laughs> getting a little sappy. I just like that. Now, the film premiered at Fantastic Fest on September 26th of 2016. And it was released in the United States on January 20th of 2017 by Universal Pictures. The film uh, received generally positive reviews and was a massive financial success. This grossed in at about $274 million worldwide on a budget of $9 million. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that this film M. Night put all of his money into. And I think, let me see, he did an interview with Sway. Him and James McAvoy were on there and he talked about how he likes... I think the question was asked of him about like, do you still get people to fund your films or how does that feel? Something along those lines. And his response was that, you know, he likes to put his own money on the line because not only that you get the full benefits when it does well, but it's almost like it's that added pressure of you better get this right. This is your money and your time. And so uh, again, watching interviews with this man and seeing him talk about his work and like how his work progressed through his own personal life, being a single man, being married, having kids and how his films have evolved or kind of moved or altered a bit through each stage of his life i just i really enjoy that um i think for me it's more or less i enjoy seeing people who are passionate about their work discuss their work but it's i don't know it's something about watching him and he's so <laughs> this is not to take shots at him he's so kind of reserved not i want to say boring but he's very soft-spoken um uh, he has some charisma you know he's 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 interesting when you're listening to him talk, but he isn't like this boisterous, loud, big personality. And that maybe has something to do with why I like watching him, but who knows? <laughs> so um, moving on in the lesson here, going down to, I'd say the cast, we'll go with the cast. Now, this wasn't a huge ensemble piece. They had a few names here. We have James McAvoy, who plays uh, Kevin Wendell Crumb. We have Anaya Taylor-Joy as Casey Cook. Um, we have Izzy Coffey, I believe you say. She plays the younger Casey Cook. Then Betty Buckley as Dr. Karen Fletcher. Haley Lou Richardson as Claire. Jessica Sula as Marsha. Brad William Henke as John. Sebastian, I'm not even going to butcher his last name. A-R-C-E-L-U-S. Arcelis? Let's go with that. As Mr. Cook. Neil Huff as Mr. Bennett, Kim Director as Hannah, Lynn Renee as the Academic Moderator, M. Night Shyamalan as Jai or Jay, uh, and Bruce Willis as David Dunn. So, uh, like I said, not a huge cast. And then even with Bruce Willis, this was an uncredited uh, cameo, considering he was there at the very end of the film. Again, like I said, there are spoilers, guys, so sorry. Uh, now, going on to production, with this... Shyamalan uh, conceived the idea for Split years before he actually wrote the screenplay. And I'll say that is such a normal, regular thing. Uh, I mentioned before on a few different shows that I do write myself. Um, I'm thinking of one book in particular that I wrote where <laughs> literally I wrote the very beginning. So like the first two pages, like let's say in 2011. Did not touch it at all. It wasn't until like 2015 that I picked that first two pages up and just completed the whole book. Like it's just sometimes you have an idea or you have a little piece of something that you've written down or that you got off to the side and it can sit there from a week to a month to a year to a few years before you even address it again. And so maybe that's part of what I'm liking about M. Night. I'm kind of um, developing this uh 
this stream of consciousness. I'm trying to pick it apart as I'm doing the show. So he wrote the screenplay. Uh, excuse me. He he uh, had the idea for Split before he wrote the screenplay. Now, what he explained is that in this case, I had written the character a while ago, and I had written out a few scenes of it. So I even had dialogue written out, which is really unusual for me. It sat there for a long time, and I really don't have a clear reason why I didn't pull the trigger earlier, but this felt like the perfect time to do it. With the type of movies I'm doing now, and the type of tones I'm interested in, humor and suspense. And that that, that makes sense, like I said, referring to the interview that I watched before about him and the way that he makes films. And, well, one thing that he said, which really stuck out to me, is that he always wanted to do original films. He did not want to do sequels. He didn't want to take existing properties, uh, <laughs> Airbender aside. Um, and I really, I like that idea. Um, that is not my style. I'm quick to write a trilogy, a part two, a part four, five, six, and seven <laughs> in a heartbeat. Um, you know, my first uh, couple books is actually a trilogy. <laughs> as well uh but that being said i do like um like this process and uh, like he said in the interview uh and i'm not going to get this verbatim but it was essentially when he was just married he was writing certain types of films and then once his kids um were born he was trying to do my kind of more family oriented films and then as they got older he was able to get back to the suspenseful horror of it all and it wasn't that he was forced to do these things this is just how they happened to work out with him being a creative so golly this man is yeah so <laughs> on october 2nd of 2015 james mcavoy was cast in the film to play the lead he replaced joaquin phoenix um, and then on October 12th, 2015, Anna Joy Taylor, Anaya, what's it, Anna? Anaya Joy Taylor, Betty Buckley, Jessica Sula, and Haley Richardson were uh, added to the cast as well. Now, on the 27th, 2015, uh, the Universal Pictures came on board to release the film and titled it as Split. Now, if you'll remember from the first installment of this uh, series, the Touchstone Pictures, which is a Disney um company did the first film unbreakable and then you have universal doing the second that's another thing that Shyamalan has um has mentioned a few different times is that you know <laughs> you probably won't get anything like this again because you had disney with the first film universal with the second and then they came together to allow each um company to use these properties to release the third installment which is glass like <laughs> That and I'm sure it probably happens more times than not. Well, well, even if so or if not, I wouldn't know because it's not something that I automatically think of when I think of movies. But him bringing that uh, bringing that up in an interview was very interesting, especially with the time jump because we go from way back in the early 2000s with Unbreakable, and then you go fast forward to now, only a year or so ago for Split, and the amount of time that sh that's passed and the um, kind of cultural conversation about comic books and um yeah so it's considering how we were and how we are now how we were back then and how we are now we have these full fleshed out universes that are one after the next after the next whereas with this property it wasn't like that you have these standalone films that loosely not loosely that tie in with one another but at the barest of minimum ways that they tie together like the ending scene in split which ties it directly to unbreakable um i know that Shyamalan, uh <clears throat> excuse me requested permission to incorporate the character from walt disney studios which had unbreakable and he met with sean bailey about the use of the character and they came to a gentleman's agreement where bailey agreed to allow the use of the character in the film without a fee now, Shyamalan promised that Disney would be involved in the sequel if developed. Well, we know that Glass is right down the line, right down the street. <laughs> so we know that that fell through. Um, so, yeah, my relationship with Split, <clears throat> excuse me, I really enjoyed the film. I didn't watch it when it came out. I had a lot of things spoiled for me. Uh, that being said, once I got around to watching it late last December, I still enjoyed it from the artistic you know direction to the music to the score to the acting 
uh, lighting to how small the cast was. I was still anxious and on pins and needles, which is a testament to M. Night's work. Though I knew about the Bruce Willis thing and though I knew that some of the characters would still be involved in the upcoming movies because they seen them in the trailer for Glass, it still didn't change that I was so anxious while watching it. Like, yeah, I knew that these some of these people would be all right, but then how would they be all right? Look at how they're maneuvering in this film. You know, it's just it, it's 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 just really good. I do um I do like, and I recommend everyone go out and watch it, especially with Mr. Glass, like being like right down a few days from now. Watch Unbreakable, watch Split, and then watch Glass and and enjoy the trilogy for what it is. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we'll be back with the rest of the episode. We've been talking about silk and wool blend for 20 minutes. Well, can I guess that you emailed me in the middle of the night for an emergency session due to garden variety issues? <laughs> I was down and I emailed you and I woke up and I feel better. I, I, I feel better. <laughs> I had a thought. Mm-mm. I want to talk about the incident at work. It's okay, Barry. You're safe. I just want to bring the details back. We'll just talk about the details. A high school from Camden, New Jersey, was on a field trip at your place of work, and two young ladies came up to you, and one took your hand and put it under her shirt on her breast, and the second one did the same, and then they just ran off laughing to their friends. You surmised that it might be on a dare. You said they were 17 or 18. You said it upset you for days. It was just a teenage prank. I, I get that now. And see, that's my mistake. I believe that I went over this incident with you too fast. Although you said you were fine, and the other identities I met with said it was fine, I believe that this brought up issues from when you were a child and abused. Sometimes another incident of abuse can cause suppressed personalities to take the light. Dennis, if this is you, I completely understand why you felt the need to take over and protect the others. Please, doctor, not this again. The others told me that you and Patricia told the group about this beast. And I told them that these are just scary stories that Dennis and Patricia tell the others to scare them. How this beast can crawl on walls like the best rock climbers using the slightest friction and imperfections to hold his body close to seemingly sheer surfaces. How his skin is thick and tough like the hide of a rhinoceros. Do you really believe the stories about the beast? If this is you, Dennis, I understand why Kevin needs you. You are strong and disciplined, you are precise, and you will not be taken advantage of. You can trust me. All right, and we are back. <laughs> so before getting into the rest of the lesson, I do want to go over DID or Disassociative Identity Disorder. Now, formerly this was known as Multiple Personality Disorder, and this is a mental disorder characterized by at least two distinct and relatively enduring personality states. There is often trouble remembering certain events beyond what would be explained by ordinary forgetfulness. These states alternately show in a person's behavior, presentations, however, they vary. Now, anyone who has watched uh, Law and Order or any true crime show or it, I, I would imagine this is something that we all are aware of even if we don't know the specifics but I did kind of want to touch on some of the um, science or history behind uh, DID now associated conditions often include borderline personality disorder post-traumatic stress disorder depression substance misuse disorder self-harm or anxiety now the cause is to believe, excuse me, the cause is believed to be childhood trauma. In about 90% of the cases, there was a history of child abuse, while other cases are linked to experiences of war, health problems during childhood, genetic factors are also believed to play a role in DID. 
Um, another hypothesis is that it is a byproduct of techniques employed by some therapists, um, especially those using hypnosis, which I haven't heard too much about, or I'm not as aware of that alternate hypothesis as I am about the, um, the ones that were listed before. Now, before a diagnosis is made, it should be verified that the person's condition is not better accounted for by substance abuse, seizures, imaginative play in children, and religious practices, which I'm not even going to go down that road. I have feelings, but whatever. Now, treatment generally involves um, counseling, uh, supportive care. The condition usually persists without treatment. It is believed to affect about 2% of the general population and 3% of those admitted to hospitals with mental health problems in Europe and North America. DID is diagnosed about six times more often in females than males. Now, with that, I wonder. Um, I know women generally go to the doctor and are more proactive about their health care than men. And I wonder if that plays a factor in it especially when you get to adulthood, because as kids, you know, you have no choice. You can just be sent to the doctor. But I wonder if that is the case. Um, anyone out there who knows the science behind this, if you are a therapist, a psychologist or in the medical field, tweet me carefree blurred using the hashtag CBN pod and let me know. Um, all I'm doing is going over the things that I found uh, through different sources. I am not a medical doctor. <laughs> this is, um, Stuff that I'm vaguely aware of through watching shows and, and, and kind of having certain people in my life who have had mental health issues. But, of course, I'm not a scientist. But So if you do know you're you're more uh, well-versed, please feel free to tweet me or should email me, carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. Now, as far as treatment, uh, the number of cases increased significantly in the latter half of the 20th century, along with the number of identities claimed to be uh, inhabited by those who are affected. Now, DID is controversial both within psychiatry and the legal system. In court cases, it has been used as a rare successful form of the insanity defense, which I don't know, that just, again, I'm not a medical doctor, but that just feels, ah, feels, it just has a different feeling for me. Now, it is unclear if increased rates of the disorder are due to better recognition or sociocultural factors such as media portrayals, i.e. the law and orders and the true crimes and all that. A large portion of diagnosed are clustered around a small number of clinicians, I can read y'all, clinicians. (laughs) <laughs> which supports the hypothesis that DID may be therapist-induced. The typical presenting symptoms in different regions of the world may also vary depending on how the disorder is depicted by the media. That all being said, again, I am not a medical doctor. I'm just relaying a little bit of information that I feel would help with listening to the rest of this episode because it does touch on someone with DID. Now, there has been some drama or backlash surrounding split and it's mainly because of the things I just listed the how it's received uh, by the mental health community people who are affected and uh, so much like pretty much it's art so art is made to be enjoyed and critiqued and torn apart and someone who is dealing with these disorders or someone who uh, works closely with persons who have these disorders will more than likely have a different or a more nuanced, um, um, I don't know, critical thought process, for lack of a better term, when it comes to this movie, as opposed to the general population who just sees it as something entertaining. Um, So I don't want any of my comments over this episode to seem um, um, dismissive or taking light of mental health or because what I'm trying to do is just discuss a film where these issues are present and not make it seem as if I think this is a laughing matter or that this isn't serious because I am one who advocates for mental health. So just want to throw that out there. Um, If anything I say during this episode does offend you or needs to be corrected, please, please, please feel free to tweet me, Carefree Blurred, or email me at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com, and I'd love to kind of have that conversation or just, shit, correct whatever I said that was wrong. So, 
getting into the episode <laughs> or the the plot and i'm going to kind of skip over some things because though this movie has been out and though the spoiler ban is lifted when I when I watched this film, like I said, I had some parts spoiled for me just by nature of being on social media. But even within the parts that were spoiled for me, there was so much during the process of um yeah, during watching the film that wasn't. And so I'm going to try to navigate through the plot as carefully as I can because there are still some things that even if you ain't seen this I think even if you watch Glass and this is just a thought of mine still won't be spoiled for you so I'm gonna kinda eh, let's see now um, three teenagers Claire, Marsha and Casey are kidnapped and held captive by Dennis Dennis is one of 23 personalities present in the mind of Kevin Wendell Crumb he is a victim of childhood abuse diagnosed with DID. Um, over the years, Kevin has been treated by his psychiatrist, Dr. Karen Fletcher, and appears stable within his mind. All of his personalities sit in chairs like in a waiting room, waiting for their turn to be in the light, i.e. controlling his body. While Barry controls who gets to go into the light, two personalities, Dennis and Patricia, are kept out because of Dennis's voyeuristic tendencies and obsessive compulsive disorder. Both personalities, Dennis and Patricia, are worshiping the Beast. A rumored 24th personality, the three girls realize Kevin's nature, his DID, when they meet Patricia, who dresses as a woman. Casey seeks to befriend Hedwig, which is a personality that claims to be a nine-year-old boy, who confides that the girls will be sacrificed to the beast. He says that he stole control of the light from Barry and he was able to persuade Dennis and Patricia to help. When Claire attempts to escape, Dennis is, Dennis is <laughs> Dennis locks her in a separate cell. Okay, so I'm going to stop there. Um, some of my thoughts about the film. Like I said, I really enjoyed it. I'll say one thing. The entire time that Dennis, Barry, Kevin, whoever met with Dr. Uh, Fletcher, I was so freaking on edge. I just knew that something bad was going to happen. And I don't know if it's just the music, if it's the, the, the acting, if it's the lighting, the way things were set up. But M. Night did a really good job because every scene, I was automatically on edge. And that'll be all I'll say about that. Um... Let me see. God, I don't want... I'm really trying, you guys, not to spoil... Because I would... I want to give as much as possible, but I don't want to spoil too much. Because, again, if you're following this series and you begin with Unbreakable and then Split and then Next Glass, I don't want to give too much of what happens in Split. But I do kind of want to give a... Uh, I'll, I'll try to be kind of reserved with my, with my summary. Um... I'll say that Casey. Oh, forget it. We're we're done with the <laughs> with the summary because I don't. I don't. It's it's too much because a lot of what happens next within the summary within the film directly ties to the very end, uh, or to the nature of the beast and all that. So I'll leave that there. Um, so please watch it. Go out and watch it. I'll so I'll give kind of my thoughts uh, while watching this. It felt very real <clears throat> in a way that when you watch a lot of true crime stuff and you hear re and you see reenactments and you hear people telling their story, this felt like it is real. Um, I don't know if that's just by nature of me having grown up and seen a lot of stuff and, you know, uh, people joining cults and people being murdered and people being cannibals. And, and I bring all that up because it's, we're in a space where this isn't, let's say, the 20s or the 30s or when, you know, a woman showing her ankle or splitting her skirt was a big deal. And, you know, men looking at each other for too long was like this whole thing. We're in a space now where everything is trying to top the next thing. And so watching this did not feel like a work of fiction. Now there were certain parts toward the end and certain elements that did, but even those fantastical parts of it, because we have a history of people b being in cults and mass suicide and mass hallucinations and stuff like that, it still felt real. 
Um, again, that's a credit to M. Night and his work. I really enjoyed it. For those of you who have seen Split, if you did not, if you feel differently, tweet me Carefree Blurred and let me know because I'd like to get someone else's take on it. I feel how I feel. Um, I don't necessarily need you to try to convince me that it's bad, but I would like the to um i guess see how the how the other side views this movie for people who did not enjoy it or the trilogy as a whole what about unbreakable we can pull that in as well um all in all i like that this was a very quiet film uh it wasn't slow like you it within the first maybe seven to ten minutes you're getting actually you're getting the story maybe even sooner than that because i'm thinking the very beginning at the party i I may be remembering it being longer than it was that particular scene. And all in all, this felt good. It um At the end, when you get the kind of final showdown and stuff, and then everything starts to be discovered by the audience and the characters in the film, that was a really interesting, um, a very interesting take on this character. Uh, let me see. I'm trying not to spoil I'll say this much when it came to the Kevin and his disassociative identity disorder and his different personalities seeing how the beast was not necessarily born but seeing the things that made the beast who he was was very interesting because the whole time we're spending time in this underground facility, we don't know what the fuck it is, what the hell is going on, where these girls are. But once you realize or it's discovered where they are, then it makes sense. And it's like, damn. So uh, pretty much M night has created this world where people have these fantastic abilities and it's through different Things. Some are born with it. Let's say like David Dunn. He never was sick a day in his life. He was never hurt, never broke a bone or nothing. And then you have people like Kevin who had a traumatic event which split and it altered his physical chemistry. Every single personality has something different about them. Hell, there's one personality that has diabetes and has to take insulin shots. But when you the other the other personalities take over, no one else has to deal with that which is so interesting. And I think he does the whole mutant X-Men uh, getting the gene during puberty type of thing much better than what we've seen with like Fox. So, um, you know, there's that. I want to kind of leave the synopsis there and then we'll move on to the character, uh, the Horde. Now, Kevin Wendell Crumb is a man who suffers from extreme case of DID. He has 23 separate personalities, all residing in his mind, even though Kevin means no evil. His other personalities, each rather vicious in their own way, his 24th personality is the Beast. This is a result of uh, some things that happened in the end of the film that I don't want to spoil. Um, I may spoil them when we get to the Glass episode, because it's like by that time you should have seen it. So... <laughs> Perhaps now this person's real name is Kevin Wendell Crumb, and he's he has several aliases and they're all his split personalities: Kevin, Hedwig, Barry, Dennis, Patricia, The Beast, Jade, Orwell, Heinrich, Norma, Goddard, Bernice, Polly, Luke, Raquel, Felicia, Ansel, Jelin, Cat. B.T., Samuel, Mary Reynolds, Ian, Mr. Pritchard, Mr. Dennis, Mrs. Patricia, and the Horde. Well, the Horde is the whole. Um, another thing that I found interesting, like, you have all these personalities. And they say that these personalities evolved or um, kind of came to the light as a coping mechanism for Kevin through different traumatic things that happened in his life. That being said, what are all these people like? Uh, I believe Jade is the one who has diabetes or who has to take insulin. Like with her manifesting, what? Again, you could do so much with this property, with this universe, with this Israel trilogy. 
not only can you do the 15 or so years between Unbreakable and Split, but you can discuss the different, the life of Kevin that manifested all of these different personalities. Like, where did this come from? Where did Norma and Goddard and Bernice come from? Polly, Luke, Raquel, Felicia, like, what made these people manifest? I know with Dennis, it was alluded to that two girls, he was a janitor, and two girls, wherever he worked, ran up to him and forced his hands under their shirts. And so the voyeuristic one, Dennis, I think that's when he took over to keep Kevin safe from embarrassment or whatever. I don't know. But that's something that was touched on in the film. But I think that was the only personality that we got in the film that had a bit of an origin story past like the beast and yeah I think that's it I think it was just the beast and Dennis but that being said there's so much potential here to explore this character like ah so much that can be done now Kevin's species is a human superhumanly enhanced human he's American he's male and he's 23 Born in April 21st of 1995. Now, 23? Now, James McAvoy is a pretty, you know, conventionally attractive guy. But 23? Oh, I'm thinking, like, nah, man, you got to be, like, at the very youngest, 27. Like, he had to be in his 30s. But I'll accept it. This is what we're presented with. So, he's 23. Um, Yeah, so there's that. Now, with... um. Kevin, some of his early life, when he was a child, his father was killed in East Rail 177 train accident, leaving him to live his life with an abusive, obsessively compulsive disorder mother. Um, as he was abused, he began to develop multiple personalities as a defense mechanism, ultimately developing 23 individual personalities, which each of them spontaneously took over control of the body uh, for the original Kevin. Another thing that I'm interested in, uh, I believe some of these personalities came out when he was young, but what I want to know is how old are these personalities? That's very interesting to me because if he is, let's say, six, his father died, he's raised by his mom, where does Mrs. Patricia come from? Like as a six-year-old who has this disorder or this um, condition, is Mrs. Patricia like 35 in this six-year-old body? Like I'm... It's a lot that I'm interested in. And if you have the answers, not only as a fan, you know, who may have more um, more knowledge than I do, but as a medical professional or someone who is in some way related to this condition, be you have it or someone you know does or whatever, I'd like to know because this is interesting. Like, how does this little boy have these different personalities and do they grow up with him? You know, considering you would go through... Um, grade school, middle school, high school, college. Do these other personalities take over? Like when you're in math class and you're nervous about not doing well, does Mrs. Patricia take over and then do all your tests and work for you? Like, uh, it's such an interesting, it's interesting to me. Now, he developed these personalities as a defense mechanism. Now, when he grew up, he worked at the Philadelphia, uh, okay, I don't want to give that out. Um, one day two girls approached him and played a prank on him taking his hands and putting them under his shirt that's how Dennis was born um, now kidnapping Casey Claire and Marsha at the beginning of the film Kevin attacks Casey Claire and Marsha knocking out Claire's father and abducting the three girls he takes them to this facility and he confines them to a room a bunch of shit going on throughout the movie going back and forth folks trying to escape things happening he am talking with Dr. Fletcher, um, and so we'll move on to the Ritual of the Beast. Returning to his hideout, the Beast confronts Dr. Fletcher, and uh, she tries stabbing him with a knife. Now, I'll stop there, because again, I don't want to ruin too much of the film just yet, because we do have Mr. Glass coming up next. I will say this, like I said before, I got the ending spoiled for me, and through watching this, I was still on, like, clutch my pearls, bite my nails on pins and needles because it was just that good. Um, I implore you all to watch it. Please, please watch it. This is very different from the <laughs> Black Panther <laughs> countdown series uh, from last year. This is 
uh, you can see I'm trying to not spoil too much. Now, I'll say Casey, I'll spoil this much because we know that Casey appears in Mr. Glass. So as far as her story is concerned, this is another interesting take on the character because we ultimately find out that Casey and Kevin have some similarities and it's something that was still shocking to me. I watched the whole film start to finish and it did not, it did not make sense until the very end. Um, maybe because I was just wrapped up in the movie, but I don't think that it's something that's easily, um, noticed. So, be on the lookout for that while watching it. But we'll get into the personalities now instead of, and leave the, the synopsis alone. Now, Hedwig, Hedwig, he's a nine-year-old boy with several compulsive behaviors, such as proclaiming that he has red socks, crawling on bent knees, um, ending sentences with etc. which was, that was so cute, but so terrifying <laughs> when I watched that. Um, Hedwig is rather gullible um, as a result of his innocence and him being naive. He was easily bailed Casey at one point and cowered when other personalities come forward. Uh, very few truly respect him, which was so odd to me because I'm thinking in this, again, it's me and my ignorance, but I'm thinking if you have these different personalities that take over to help you cope, you being Kevin, it, it doesn't, I wonder if in a person who actually has DID, if that is a struggle that they have where different personalities don't like or don't respect other personalities because in my head I'm thinking if you have the condition and let's say you have five personalities they all take over at one point or another to help you cope with whatever you're dealing with and not necessarily the first personality hating the fourth and vice versa so I wonder if that's something that actually happens or if that's something that M. Night did for the film uh, either way was an interesting tool within the movie now, Barry, the original dominant personality in Kevin's head, calm, level-headed, and to some extent uh, working to control the other personalities and to protect Kevin. So he's like the conductor trying his damnness to make sure everything goes smoothly. Now, Barry is the personality that is used to communicate with Dr. Fletcher, but he is exploited by Dennis, and whatever, we'll leave it at that. Now, Dennis, one of the more disturbing personalities, is cold, temperamental, and has a perverted liking for watching young girls dance naked. He demonstrates traits of obsessive compulsive disorder and a firm, somewhat violent tendency towards cleanliness of others. Um, Patricia, a sophisticated, orderly, polite woman who has considerable command over some of the other personalities, claiming that the others listen to her. Patricia is very disciplined towards the other personalities and towards other people. Uh, the Beast, by far the most dangerous, hostile, and terrifying of the personalities, the Beast is the 24th identity that resides in Kevin's mind. And I'll leave it at that. Well, he's a malevolent, a malevolent figure. He's idolized by Dennis, Patricia, and Hedwig, who all waited for his arrival. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> and then I listed the other 16 personalities. The ones that get shine or screen time are Barry, Jade, Orwell, Dennis, Hedwig, Patricia, The Beast, and Mary Reynolds. And that's that's it. Now, moving on to the powers and abilities. Now, psychologically influenced psycho physiology, excuse me. Kevin's original power that gives birth to his 24 personalities powers all of the traits of his other 23. He is a very... Peculiar, peculiar, <laughs> that's like my dear, peculiar, <laughs> ability to influence his own body based on the personality that inhabits it, which is, again, going back to like Jade being a diabetic. But then when you transform from Jade to Dennis, you no longer need to take insulin. So, oh my God, I just, I like that idea. And I'm sure this has been done before. Um, like I know Legion in Marvel, which is Professor X's son, has 20, don't let me lie, I know he has multiple personalities, I don't know the number, but I believe every personality has a different power, and then Doom Patrol, oh, the name escapes me, there is a girl who, actually she has a very similar origin story to some of the things that are addressed in this film, but each one of her personalities has a different power as well. 
or whatever. Now, for example, if the current personality that has his body has diabetes, Jade, then his body will undergo changes in order to have that trait, including the need for an insulin shot. It is unknown how far the ability extends or its true limitation. However, it can be noted that this ability doesn't allow the Horde to outwardly change his appearance or sex since none of his female personalities manifest their sex-related physiology, which again is so interesting. Like, it's almost like he's a shape-shifting omnipath or something like that. Like, because you are able to change your structure. Now, I wonder with Jade having diabetes, what brought that on? Like, what made you, you can change your, your physiology, but what made you, or what resulted in Jade having diabetes? And that being said, the posture, the voice, the change that happens when Mrs. Patricia takes over. Um, and then when the beast ultimately takes over and just like the need for certain things, um, like food and water and whatever else. It's just, I like this idea and it's a lot that can be explored. I, if you can't, t I'm a fan. Clearly, y'all, I'm a fan. <laughs> now, the beast powers. The beast possesses the ability of various animals. I'll say that much. Um, he can crawl on the wall. And he can adhere to the wall, ceilings, and other surfaces in order to scale them. This ability allows him to stick to almost any surface when willing himself to. As a physical contact with the said surface creates a locking connection necessary to support his body, even when he is inverted above the ground, which is ugh, terrifying. <laughs> like when you've seen in the glass preview, Mr. Glass talking to Kevin about the beast and the beast like surfaces or whatever. And then he crossed that wall. You look at Samuel's face. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's so interesting. Now, uh, invulnerability. He has incredible resilience to injury. It is believed that he is virtually impervious to physical injury or hurt. His body and tissues are far more resilient to damage and stress than any ordinary human, except, of course, David Dunn. <laughs> Now, he has withstood physical traumas, and that shock would seriously injure or kill a normal human, but his unique resilience also translates to granting him a resilience to conventional diseases or viruses. He could take a shotgun blast because his body is too powerful to be affected by it. Uh, super strength. Kevin possesses superhuman strength when transformed into the beast. He can, with effort, bend the metal thick bars, sending people flying across hallways just by throwing them, flip police cars, manhandle a uh, team in riot gear. Vulnerabilities. Name. By calling out the name of Kevin Wendell Crumb, Kevin, the original personality and core personality, will take over. However, it seems to be very temporary uh, because the horde can force him out of the light. Uh, light. Uh, concerning this concept of light, Dr. Ellie Staple came up with a system of powerful LED lights in order to control the horde that when activated will brightly flash and force Kevin to switch personalities, which has to be oh, physically exhausting for someone to force a personality out of you. God damn, I, I couldn't imagine. Now, all in all, I like this series. I've really enjoyed watching Split, especially since I was so late to the party with watching it. And I've seen it about a good five or six times. Um, this is making me appreciate M. Night's work even more. Um, I do like his standalone films, but seeing this trilogy and really patiently waiting to see Mr. Glass, I just, I'm a fan, y'all. So let me know. Tweet me. Use the hashtag CBMPod. Or email me carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com and let me know what do you think about the trilogy. Have you seen it? Do you have any interest? Did this series help you? Are you feel more prepared to see Mr. Glass? Like, let me know what your thoughts are. Again, I'd love to make this a conversation. I'm always down for feedback. Uh, for, I don't know, if you know a little bit of something that I didn't touch on, send me that as well. Uh, you got any photos, any inside knowledge? Because I know there are cult followings of certain movies like 
of course, Mean Girls. And it was said that with Unbreakable, the cult following didn't happen until like many years later. So let me know, are you in this fandom? Do you not give a damn about it? <laughs> and are you interested in seeing Mr. Glass? All that being said, keep it a conversation. Tweet me, Carefree Blurred. Use the hashtag CBNPod. Email me, carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. On all other social medias, use the... Um, the handle is Carefree Black Nerd. Oh, and also over there on um, on the Carefree Black Nerd Instagram, check out the IGTV. There are one minute kind of um, comic reviews going up. Mm, trying to figure out a schedule. It may be once every weekday or it might be a few times a week. But go ahead and check those out. And let me know what you think about them. This is a comic heavy uh, program, <laughs> TV show, uh, personality and all that. So, until next time, guys, I want you to stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and stay the fuck out of Philadelphia. Because though I love these films and M. Night is doing his damn thing, clearly this ain't the place you want to be in. <laughs> uh, but uh, all seriously, man, thank you all for listening. And I will catch you next time for the next episode of Carefree Black Nerd. I do have the ability to use Kevin's full name and bring him forward as he has in the past. But I wouldn't do that. I know that that would be chaos for all of you. Everyone would grab the light. I don't want to hurt any of you that way. You don't have to hide. I know you are someone who cares for Kevin. You are not evil to me. You were necessary. Dennis, is that you? They keep calling us the Horde. The others, you know? Miss Patricia and I, we are ridiculed. Now, we're not perfect, but we don't deserve to be ridiculed. We're all struggling. They have to admit that. I am pleased to meet you, Dennis. You too.